some yellow cards, a couple issued to both clubs. But other than that, a back and forth championship final so far as we are just one minute into this second half of this championship final. If it stays at nil-nil, or even if both teams score 1-1, as Croatia has a chance in the box now. But Paul back in, shot, scores! Oscar Cordon! This game is over from Warrior Field in Waterloo, Ontario, the home of the University of Waterloo Warriors. The final whistle has been blown, and Toronto, Croatia are your 2015 Canadian Soccer League First Division champions. Turned over though, another chance. Whiteman, the delivery, and it's a cracking strike from the Vaughn striker, and he equalizes here in the 39th minute. The leading scorer, Jarek Whiteman, adds to his tally, and that's number 18 and equalizes this match, it's one all. Amato, up, can Whiteman counter? He can, Whiteman, he wins the ball, he's on the breakaway here, the strike! Into the corner it goes, and the Azzurri's leading scorer gets the equalizer once again, and it's all tied up two to two in the 57th minute. Jarek Whiteman, with number 19 on the season, and his second of the match. The car now with the delivery. Back post. The header back in. Yazuri with the chance. It's a box and in the back of the net. And it's number three for Jarek Whiteman. The hat trick converted. 3 2 in the 60th minute. You're watching and listening to Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk Footy Edition with Nicholas Fiore. Welcome back, everybody, to Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk. I'm Nicholas Fiore, the host of the show and play by play broadcaster for the Oakville Blades in the Junior A Hockey Club in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. I have a special guest with me, the return of the show, and it's episode 46, footy edition number eight, with Toronto FC and Canadian men's national team player, Richie Larea. Richie, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. No, no worries, man. Thank you for, for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat it up with you right now. Hey, you know what? Like, you know, we're still from the GTA area, but... Not just that, uh, I don't think you've ever been on any type of podcast or show, and it starts off with Mamma Mia. <laughs> never, never. This is the first one. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, your friend who you've known for a long time, uh, Kwame. Kwame Aua from uh, CPL's Forge FC. He was on the show as well, but he's the basically the main guy um, to set this up. Also, uh, the Samanegos, I know them well too, and I think he reached out, one of the brothers reached out to you as well. So I just want to appreciate where the connection has come from. And honestly, I appreciate uh, you being on because I know pro soccer players, pro guys in general, the schedules are hectic. So thanks for coming on, man. No worries. No worries at all, brother. Listen, let's let's get into it. Uh, obviously, you know, a Toronto boy, um, we're the same age, 1995s. I honestly think we've played against each other uh, in Spanish League when you were with the Uruguay. I was with Bolton. And I think it was between 03 and 05, we were actually in a, uh, a league there. It was the second division. My team won that division that year. How, how Was it weird for you? We're going to get into so many stats and, and where you've went and all that. But, you know, youth soccer in Ontario, I want to get to the difference of academy and club. I know you went with uh, Club Uruguay and Sigma, mostly the academy sides. But why Spanish league? Why, why not a simple... SC Toronto or Brampton East and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's a guy named Roberto Correa um, and um, he was running Uruguay 95 at the time, which is my age group, our age group. And um, he actually saw me playing at the Jenna Finch fields with my dad uh, outside. And, you know, me and my dad were just kicking around and, he came over to, or my dad actually walked over to the session. He's like, oh, those kids look like they're about your age, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And my, uh, my, uh, my dad's like, oh, I'm going to go speak to him, see if he'd like to take you. And then um, he did. He wants to go speak to him. Roberto was really open and warming and said, he's like, yeah, no worries. We, we uh, actually, we're going to, it was probably honestly around, I can't, it was summer, but like what not or I guess the tail end of summer. So I was winding up into indoor soccer soon. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, we, we're going to, we go indoor really soon. Why don't you bring him once, once we go indoor? So he brought me once we went indoor, I built this amazing relationship with Roberto. He's taught me the full, he was the guy that taught me the basics about football to begin with at such a young age, you know, of technically, technically the passion behind it, you know, where we were six years old and this guy was a full on lunatic with, um, the way he, uh, treated us he treated us as if we were the top level but that's what it is for for him you know what I mean it's uh passionate he's Uruguayan it's it means everything to them so he instilled that in all of us the passion hunger and just the love for the game so that's how I um got into that as soon as he put me in there and my parents brought me and watched us train and watched us play my dad uh, being um a soccer lover himself he was like yeah there's nowhere else you're going apart from here like this guy's amazing so that's kind of what brought me to the to the futsal indoor Spanish league route. It's pretty crazy because, you know, as we mentioned, as I mentioned off the air about a couple months ago, uh, myself and one of my best friends, Matthew Caguana, who you've played with uh, back back in the youth, the heydays, I guess now. Right. Um, yeah. We saw you outside outside, you know, one of the one of the games, the TFC games after the game. And, you know, you've asked him even how his parents were and you remember all that stuff. It, you know, they, the, the Spanish community has called me the, uh, the honorary Spanish, the honorary gringo in, in the group. Has, uh, has <laughs> you got, have you gotten that, uh, that honorary status with the likes of like, you know, I don't know if you know Nico P and uh, Carlos Britos, the Toronto Latinos, the uh, Barrio brand, especially, I guess, with Osorio there too? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of guys in the Spanish community and I keep in touch with a lot of them, so, so it is honestly like a like a brotherhood or something like that whenever uh i go back and see them or whenever i see them after games out and about just stuff like that it's always as if it were yesterday that we're all playing in the in the spanish league together so there is that bond that is like kind of unspoken about uh within within that group absolutely it's 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 also to it's also great to see how how tight-knit i mean yeah i'm a i'm personally italian but how the spanish community is they you know if there's a respect level, they accept everyone from, from anywhere. Right. Which is also fantastic to see, of course. Um, you, you, you've played, like I said, mostly the Academy route. Did you see though, any difference growing up from maybe your friends or your former teammates that played in the club level on what the difference was or what you see even now, the difference is from club um, to Academy within youth in Ontario? Um, I would say with some people, maybe yes, but others, I think pretty close because when I was playing for Sigma, there were guys like Kwame that were playing for the provincial program, uh, other guys, you know, there's different organizations around Brampton battle cats is really good for, um, our age group, just stuff like that. So I, I thought that, um, in some categories we were similar and others, maybe, um, n- not so similar, but I think over in the overall picture, we were, all kind of headed in that direction and then just as we get older you know it changes from you know you can't like provincials kind of went away and people started wanting to go to tfc academy montreal's academy vancouver's academy um just that type of route and i just stayed with uh with sigma and even when i was with sigma i felt like i was still develop i was developing it at a really good rate and i mean obviously so were these guys were getting guys like Jordan Hamilton, Jay Chapman, Manu Aparicio, like these guys signing homegrown deals and now becoming first team players and following, you know, like the likes of Daniil, Henry, Ashton Morgan, also like guys like that, you know, so I saw a bit of that with the guys my age and I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is cool. And then obviously in that regard, once they get to that level, they're playing in a level above yours because I'm playing sigma academy soccer and in ontario and they're now like first team players for tfc so yeah i guess what it is that everyone just went at different times but for me i think the route i went especially for where i was soccer wise and developmental wise and all that sigma, going from Uruguay, Uruguay to then sigma was the best possible route for me because i learned so much just within those years of playing for both Uruguay and then when I went to Sigma and joined up with uh, Bobby and, and co. So it was, it was good. Well, you know what? Everyone's route is different. I mean, I've played rep throughout my years from under eight 
all the way to League One Ontario when I went with Aurora with Jimmy Brennan and then uh, before he went to York and then obviously Pro Stars, right? Academy I finished with um, in League One Ontario. But, you know, the route's different for everybody. And, you know, I coach in Calden right now with the under 10 boys and they're like, yeah, how about Academy? Well, sometimes Academy isn't better than the club, right? So you have to understand there's a route for everyone. And that's why I wanted to ask you personally yourself, obviously growing up within, within this area, right? Within the GTA. Um, listen, Richie, I want to talk about if it's okay with you just a little bit touch upon the Black Lives Matter movement and how TFC and the MLS um, kind of handled that, which I thought it was pretty good. There were some pictures I was going to use for the background of you, you know, kneeling and having the fist up, which is so, so, so important. But really, it wouldn't have captured the back because my big head is in the way. So it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been visible. Right. But listen, it's very important. And you saw the NHL do a little bit. You saw the NBA really do something. The MLS, uh, this is back tournament back in Orlando. And it feels like it's not slowly going away, but I saw some stuff where black lives still matter, right? Like on the shirts and it does still matter, but what can be done more on the front, the front steps, the, the foremost, with these big professional sports leagues and clubs, um, because they have the landscape to do something, not just maybe wear that T-shirt. How much more do you think a certain professional league or club or team can can do to just, you know, get the movement to keep on rolling? Because it feels like it's been halted now. And if you're comfortable with talking about it, I would like to see your opinion. Yeah, I think in terms of MLS and what MLS did, I think it's all thanks to the guy that plays at TFC. That's Justin Morrow. Justin Morrow is the one that started all of this, and he is the reason why it got pushed and got as big as it as it is to begin with. And then he brought the rest of the black players in the league on board, and it became this really big thing. And yes, I agree with you. I think it was um, done really well because it was powered by the players, powered by the black players in the league, and guys had a real say on what was going to happen and what shouldn't happen and X, Y, Z. So from that standpoint, it was, it was incredible. And uh, there, especially at MLS is back when we're all on the field for the first game back. And it was just all the black guys in the league with the shirt t-shirts on, you know, that was powerful. You know, I said it then and I say it now and I'll say it forever that I don't know if I will be part of a more powerful message or on a field with bigger purpose than that when it was being with all the black players in the league, all different teams, guys that you may have got into a scuffle with guys that you maybe don't like you've had troubles with, whatever it might be. All of that was out the window and everyone was there for one purpose. So that was like a strong, strong feeling for me. And then, yeah, just about you saying that it's kind of been halted. I've, I think we've had this, I've had discussions even with Justin Moore about it there that it's like, you do get that sense sometimes once people like once time goes goes on and people start um you know not i i don't want to say focusing but doing other things it was also during a pandemic so there wasn't much for people to do but listen and learn which obviously what happened was terrible that initiated everything with george floyd but it's almost like the timing of when it happened couldn't have been uh, at a more crucial time because everyone was stuck at home and having to watch their TV, sign into their Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be, and look at this stuff. Like everyone saw that video. No one didn't see that video of George Floyd being kneeled on. So like, I think that was also a big, big moving point for for it. But yeah, it, it's I, I do sometimes sit back and it's like, yeah, it kind of feels like people still know, people still... I think the ones that are on board with it are on board with it, but like, you know, you start seeing people kind of treading backwards and it's, you know, just like a lot of problems in this world and it gets swept under the rug a little bit. It seems like until unfortunately it has to happen again for it to pop back up in, in people's minds. So that's one of the things as a group we said we didn't want to happen, but there's a lot of stuff that the group is still doing now and even behind the scenes even within the um, guys from all over the league doing it in their communities to help still so that part is still good and it's still very involved so it's good but yes I think to answer your question it, it does feel like it's not as big and important as it once was a year a year ago 
a year to go and some change, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, a little bit difficult. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's what I've, I've noticed personally from, from afar. Right. And that's why it's like, I feel like, yes, maybe, you know, you can't go hard 24 seven. I understand that, but you know, as long as people are learning from what is happening, then progress is going to be made. Let's just hope that definitely is the case. Right. Um, listen, everybody watching now, this episode is sponsored by the bottom line, downtown Toronto, the official podcast sponsor restaurant and bar 22 front street, downtown Toronto. I appreciate the bottom line coming on board for the show as I'm with, uh, Richie Larea, Toronto FC and Canadian men's national team player. Um, we're going to touch upon the qualifying and all that stuff, Richie, but for yourself, you know, you went to, uh, Akron in, in your collegiate uh, career of two seasons there. You played 42 games. Uh, the Akron Zips in 2014-2015. After that, you uh, played some time with Sigma back in the League One Ontario back in 2015. And then you finally, you got that crack and you got drafted um, to Orlando City where Kaka was in the MLS. I, 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 still, I still can't believe that, but we're going to touch upon that, which is amazing. Back in 2016 to 2018, 21 apps with them. Then loan to Orlando City B between 16 and 17, and then eventually found your back, uh, found your way back home. I guess you can say with uh, Toronto FC, the most apps you've played in 64 with seven uh, goals so far. Being drafted uh, first round, seventh overall, 2016 MLS Super Draft, and you go to a team in Orlando City, and Kaka is there. What what are you thinking? Like you're just a boy from Club Uruguay, you know, you're just a boy from the GTA and all of a sudden the hard work, the years at college, the years at Sigma, you know, playing semi-pro and then all of a sudden you're being drafted. Oh yeah. By the way, one of the best players I think to ever touch a football Kaka is on Orlando city. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, I just summarized <laughs> my entire career. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, it was, um, the whole draft process and all of that was, was incredible. Obviously I've never been part of anything like that. And then growing up in Canada, I feel like our whole draft, we don't really have a draft process now instead of the CPL now has it, which is, which is cool. So, um, yeah, being there and like, if it's, it almost felt like, um, a lot of us joke, like the way that the NBA and the NFL and the NHL MLB, like all the, how all of those guys must feel and say, you know, the, it's because it's such an American thing. Um, oh, yeah. Being able to get into a draft and be drafted high. It's like, you know, um, going to Akron, people were telling me that's like enough for them. Like one of my boys is like, all I need to do is get drafted and I'm good. Like whatever happens with my career after that is it happens. But the fact that I've been drafted in a, in, in a, in a draft period is like the biggest honor, stuff like that. So, you know, once he said that, I was like, oh, maybe – you know, we got, I got to look at this a little bit differently because it seems to a lot of people, this is like a big, big thing, you know? So yeah, that whole process was really nice. And then obviously getting drafted to Orlando was special for me because Kyle Laren was already there and me and him were childhood best friends, grew up with each other through Sigma. So it was cool in that sense. And then, yeah, to be teammates with uh, Kaka was different, different class, especially because when I had went there, he is the last person that would have, won the Ballon d'Or that wasn't Messi or Ronaldo, which was in 07. So going there, I was like, this guy, like, obviously he's incredible player. My, my mom and brother loved this guy. Obviously I, I, I thought he was an incredible player, but my mom and brother loved him. My brother had a poster of him in our room actually. So Great. to get drafted, to get drafted there was special. If I'm being honest, it was really, really special. And but yeah. Richard, you subbed, you subbed on for him. Like you subbed on for him and, and you could just see like him hugging you and all that. Yeah. You got to be, you know, professional and, and you're there. So you are, you are a professional and you got to be focused in, but man, like if, 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 if roots led me into a different way, I was a keeper and I had, you know, I could have had a scholarship division one, tore my ACL and, and there you have it, right. League one Ontario. It is for me. Right. But yeah, and men's league, but as I digress, you know, you, you got there and like you have a car holding, Holding, holding your head saying basically almost like you're next you're going in like you're you're you, I don't even know what you were thinking because I don't think you could be thinking at that rate <laughs> no 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 I definitely wasn't that, that's what I mean it, it's I think in the game stuff happens so quick that you you forget to 
take a second to like sit back and kind of go, okay, like just look at, look, look at what's happening. Maybe everything's not going as you would like or plan to to see, but a lot of good is happening and you need to take a minute to appreciate that. And I don't think I really did until I think that off season, like my, I came home, my boys like, bro, you, your debut in MLS, you, you came on for Kaka. Like, that's crazy. Like, you're always going to remember that you came onto the field for a legend, like a legend. That's going to, whenever someone asks you where you debuted, you're going to know, and you're going to know who you played against, who you came on for and what the score was because of who you came on for. And they're, they're right. I remember the score stadium team and, um, guy I came on for because of the magnitude of it. It'd be my debut for one, but it's wow. like I'm coming on for like one of the goats of this game. You know what I mean? So it's it's it's, it's a it's it is a crazy feeling. Kwame plays with Pirlo. You play with Kaka. What's going on over here? What's going on? <laughs> it was funny because I went there and then he went there. We're like we said to each other like couldn't have been any better than this. You're playing. I'm playing with uh with Kaka. You're playing with all the they play with three like or two top top players. So it's just like it, it it's honestly cool in that sense because you're it reminds you that you're a fan of, like a fanboy of the game. Still, once you get in those moments that you're with these type of caliber of players, it's like wow, like this is this is so and so, you know. So it it is it it's uh, it's a funny feeling. You mentioned a little bit that. Uh... Maybe, you know, it's not always where you want to be sometimes, right? And obviously, you know, I say you, 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 as much as you can, maybe not live with regret in a general, in a general aspect, right? Everything happens for a reason. And obviously being drafted and, and being maybe loaned to Orlando City B back in the USL when it was called that, maybe that's not what you wanted. And obviously not what you would dream of. Um, you, you just made, you know, you, you basically made the NHL, right, of the MLS, and now you're being sent down to the AHL, right, the Farm League of the US on. That's not what you wanted, of course. How tough, because it's not easy for everybody to, you know, to crack that first team roster, to finally put in so much hard work, but in the right mental state as well, being, I guess, sent down or loaned, and you got to come back up and work your tail off to get in that first team. Yeah, it's, I think it's underrated how much, um, like how much this happens to people where you go somewhere, you know, it's the beginnings, all sunshine and rainbows. And then you, you know, you got to realize you're in the pro game now, like some coaches going to want certain things from you, coaches don't want you to do certain things. So yeah, for me, for like, like you said, it didn't, the beginning, or maybe I would say my entire time at Orlando wasn't um a storybook ending from start to finish or anything like that but it's part of my story now you know so it is um it it was difficult obviously to to be drafted there and then almost feel like automatically being loaned out to the to the second team because you come there and you want to play first team minutes obviously that's what any competitive footballer wants to do so that part was tough and it took some adjusting for me and to be honest with you I don't think I even properly wrap my head around around it until my second year where I was kind of like all right if you're going to play these second team games here and there you're going to have to um you have to respect the game it's football at the end of the day you can't come and think you can do whatever and get by it's only going to get you so far and I I felt that so then my second year I was I was much better with it and then also it's about respecting the guys on that team as well and the league because the usl is a good league and it it, it, ha- it did help me make my transition back up to playing some first team minutes at orlando so um yeah like you said it's um i don't i don't think regret sometimes i think i use that word and i do say regret but honestly i think as part of my story i learned about myself really really quickly as a, a young professional so i think it's probably better happen like that because I got it out of the way first. And now if anything like that were to come up again, I know how to deal with it and how to go about, about it. So it kind of is a learning curve for me as well, which is like, obviously in this game, you get a lot of them. And I just so happen to get mine or one of mine very early. And I'm hoping that's obviously the last one, but it's something I take, I can take with me forever now. Absolutely. I don't know if it's uh, safe to say, or if you would agree with what I'm about to say, but did you feel like, um, you kind of 
rejuvenated your young career when you came to TFC in 2019? Because from my perspective, and obviously the, I guess to some mutual friends or people that we know, it seems like you did. You came in, you came firing, you have the most goals um, other than obviously college, but the most goals um, that you've played in, in the professional ranks with the most games played as well with that certain club. Do you feel like that homecoming uh, helped and rejuvenated your career and you felt most at home and most comfortable to play your football? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, coming back here was a really good thing for me, but the, for, at the beginning it was very stressful because I was in preseason in January and then I had my son in February and I still had no contract. So I think that's one of the biggest things as well that I had so much that I needed to do and a, 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 a kid that was now born that I need to support that I needed it to work. So it was almost like a desperation thing. And I did every, anything and everything to make sure that I stuck and, you know, play, even playing a new position, whatever, whatever it might be, I had to take it all off the chin and roll with it and see what I could do. So obviously kudos and credit to the guys at TFC for having me in and then finding that position for me and then giving me that contract and then the continuous confidence. But yeah, it definitely was um, interesting in the beginning because it felt like a lot of back and um, back and forth on my end, but then to finally sign and then come here, play at home, comfortable with my family being around best friends, friends, familiar areas that it like almost all came full circle for me. It felt like that. I finally got my, um, my um, juju or gig back kind of by coming, by coming back here almost is what it is, what it felt like. So it, it, it was special. And obviously with that being said, it kind of led you to the Canadian men's national team on a more consistent basis. Okay. And, and with that, you know, it's very important that you can see how much hard work it's put in to, to the game. Right. And you finally got that crack on the more consistent basis with the Canadian men's national team. How important was it for you to finally represent your country um, on a more consistent basis? Yes. You've done it um, in the under 23 ranks. Yes. You've done it um, in, in friendlies and scoring your first goal within that as well. Uh, but you got that crack. And obviously you can see, you know, I'm wearing it. And then behind me here, it's so important to represent your country. What does it mean to you? Yeah, it means the world, obviously, because it's a country that gave uh, my family, who obviously, my parents, who obviously aren't from here, from Ghana, it gave us a new opportunity at life. Um, and it was incredible. So it is a big honor to play for this country. And but just because of the first and foremost, how much it's done and changed my family and I's life. So I think those call-ups, I don't take them lightly, especially more than ever now with what we have at stake. Um, but um, yeah, that's what it, that's what it means to me personally, whenever I got called up and then just further down the pipeline is like um, for the next generations of Canadian soccer players as well, we're all trying to lead the way and create a path for them to, be, be successful as well. So it's just all in all a huge, huge honor for me whenever I get to put that jersey on it. Uh, it feels it feels special. Richie, just, just picture this. Ready? Canada, Ghana, 2022 FIFA World Cup. Imagine that. Your descent, wow. your background, where, where you're born, and the two worlds colliding. I think mom and dad are, must be cheering for Ghana. I don't think they're going to cheer for you in Canada. <laughs> uh, they, they, would, they would lose their minds, man. I don't know what they would do, but they'd be so, so happy. It'd be, it would be something special. I'm not going to lie to you. It'd be special. I don't know if, if you thought about that or anyone was thinking about it, but I looked at the African qualifiers. Obviously, I follow our qualifiers, you know, Canadian qualifiers, and I'm like, man, like, you never know. It's, <laughs> it's a strong possibility. I have to bring that up. Um, and we're going to touch upon, obviously, the possibility. But first of all, March 25th, 2021. Do you remember that day or no? March 25th? March 25th, 2021. You want to know what happened that day? What happened? You scored your first Canada goal versus Bermuda in the FIFA World Cup qualifier for the senior team. Yes. All right, Rich. I do my research, okay? I do my research. <laughs> clock right there actually there you yeah. go so all oh, you had yeah. to do was look how yeah. how awesome was it to say oh my god record books or not whatever i just scored for my national team yeah it was it was incredible man it was 
yeah, it's it's just like another another little chapter in my in, in my book that I hope that is nowhere near close to being done right now. But it, it, it's a special it's a special moment, you know. It's a, it's another one of those where you don't really think about it until a couple months years down the line. That's like I you know I've I've scored a goal for my country. That's pretty pretty cool, you know. Not everyone has the opportunity to to, to say that. So yeah, that's a that's a big big. Um, another big moment for me, you know, that's another one of the big milestones, you know, your debut stuff like that first goal, but first goals for national team are, are right, right up there with the, with the best. I want to put a, a, a couple notes or questions into one. First of all, you know, the hometown team, obviously you're with, with Toronto, but you're not just with them. You're with the Canadian men's national team who has the likes of, uh, you know, Tejon Buchanan from Brampton, Kyle Laren and junior Hoylia. And, and then you have Jonathan Osorio. Then you have Liam Fraser and, and Jay Chapman, who was in the mix. All the, and Liam Fraser and all these, all these Toronto boys or Brampton boys and, you know, coming together as one. And I saw a picture that you posted of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think back in 2019 when you guys, I believe, defeated Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, um, when the De Leon scored that rocket uh, for TFC. Let me tell you, how cool is it to have those guys with Canada and, of course, with TFC? Yeah, yeah, it, it was cool. It was honestly like one of the first things we thought of because we were obviously all so close. And uh, as soon as it happened and we took that picture, it's like, it's cool. Like where else are you going to get that many Canadians playing together in the MLS and winning a trophy together and headed to the MLS Cup, you know? So that was all, also another really cool feeling because it's doesn't, it doesn't happen too often. And then you're with your, you're with your boys on top of it. And um it's it's special so it's it, it felt like um cool we all like i i we haven't even spoken about it recently but now that you brought it up i'm gonna have to bring it up again but it was it was a cool moment even the picture that we had all together made it even more special when you when you do bring it up though say yeah yeah i know this guy yeah he's a brampton boy he has a podcast so he wants you 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 yeah. <laughs> the podcast too all right all right exactly. why exactly. not no hey i gotta shoot my shot right Hey, hey, I respect it, man. <laughs> hey, you have to, right? Um, we're almost, we're almost, uh, you know, completed here. And, and there's so many, you know, I, I just love a conversation more than anything. Feels like I've known you for, for all, all of our 20, our 26 years that we've uh, been yeah. on this uh, great <laughs> earth. Right. But listen, the style of play, I, I still, I, I coach and I, I watch my sister who's the starting goalie for Humber Hawks her fifth year at uh, Humber College in Toronto and they just won against Durham in a crossover game in penalties. And she stopped two penalties. And I was yelling at the referee all game. The style of play, the passion that you show. Sometimes it looks dirty, but I know it's not because you played Club Uruguay. And that's exactly how they play with the plancha, right? All the time. But no, on a serious note, the passion. And, and it's, like, it's like, why does Richie want to fight all the time? What? No, he doesn't. It's just the way and style of passion that he plays. You can't play any other different, can you? Yeah, people people don't understand that, especially that's why I don't even take the time to explain it to exactly. anyone. But the way I the way I was brought up, the way these um, Roberto taught us to play and play like like it's your last and everything's on the line, and that's how I I have to play now, especially with what I went through at Orlando. So that's what it is. What people have to say about the way I play and the style and passion, uh, I don't really care too much about. That's what's got me here and. No, no one, them or whoever else it might be is going to change, change that for me. And um, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it. That's just the way oh, I've been brought up. I've been, I've been brought up with it and it's, it, it, it brings the best out of me and it gets, you know, it gets a response also from teammates. It helps teammates as well. Not only myself. So people I think are too narrow minded and they only think of looking like this, but they don't see what it does to the opponent, does to your teammates, does to yourself. There's so many different factors that I don't even need to explain, but the ones that have come up the way I came up know exactly why I'm the well, way. You know what? I have a, it's, it's a funny story. I think it was, I think it was last week in the qualifier. And uh, obviously, you know, we all watch as a family and, and my mom's doing the dishes in the kitchen and I'm like, Oh, Rich, Richie's in another guy's face. This is me. My mom goes, Again, I'm like, ma, it's the style. It's it's his game. It's, it's not because he wants to fight all the time. Does it look like it from an outsider's perspective? Sure, you want to have your opinion, have your opinion. I'm like, exactly. no, ma, that's not how it is. It's how he plays and the most effectiveness. And it's just, I had to bring it up because I know 
I already know. I didn't have to tell you about it. And, and we spoke for the, you know, for the, I guess, second time now. Right. But I know that's the way it is. And I know you don't care to explain it and you don't need to, that's your game. Right. Uh, but it's just funny to see all these tweets sometimes too. Oh, Richie's in another scrum. I'm like, guys, it's, it's his game, baby. It's his game. It's just funny to see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny. You know, as we are continuing, uh, Rich, obviously that, that, that style, that passion, right? I mean, we, we already said <laughs> it's, it, it is what it is. That's your style of play and you're not going to change it and nor, nor should you. And obviously that style of play came in um, against Panama and came in against Panama last week. And by, by the way, nothing you did, of course, obviously you came out publicly and said, you know, the, Pan- the Panamanian player that didn't spit on you, but spat at you and towards you and uh let's just say you can't maybe say it but let's just say he's a little lucky that it probably never hit you and didn't touch you i know that little grin you can't say it uh you could just smile and nod your head yeah 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 <laughs> nick, you're right yeah nicholas you're right but let's just say and it is true though and and not because i'm with you or you know for anything but that is one of the highest highest level of forms of disrespect in any game, but especially in the game of football, when you're all, Hey, you just got shin pads, socks, cleats, Jersey, and shorts on. It, it could touch you any part of the body, right. And literally touch skin and flesh. And, and it is, I, I actually almost think, well, you know what, other than, I guess, obviously the, the, the racist and homophobic chance, I think spitting is right after that uh, in my, in my personal opinion, but that passion obviously came out and you had to respond and yes, you had, you know, the Danielle Henry's and, and, and Alfonso Davies and a few others holding you back. And I still think, you know, the line and you wouldn't have crossed the line. I truly do believe that. Um, but how crazy it is, is it to see that your passion, unfortunately, has to come out as it did uh, last Wednesday, October 13th in the World Cup qualifier because of foolishness that is displayed like that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, I was playing the game. I was fine. I was happy. We were winning. Everything was good. And then, you know, someone does that. That's for me is obviously a no, no fly zone. It's disrespectful. So that's why I reacted what I reacted. And honestly, I probably reacted better than a lot of other people would have because instead of going to him, I went straight to the ref, you know, because I didn't want to start that interaction with him. I would rather the ref and he's out of the game. Boom, it's, it's done, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are and what people say. If someone try that, that's adjustable anyone. I'm sure oh, yeah. someone be ready to 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 do some unthinkable things to that person. So, um, yeah, that's 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 all it is on that. I'm not a I'm not a big uh, referee guy. All right, and I was a referee in my in my youth days. Right, my, my one of my first ever paid jobs. And let, let's just say uh, I'm not too kind. Player, coach, spectator to the referees. Um, but when you have three referees, which by the way, in my opinion, no VAR in the FIFA World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF is flabbergasting, but I continue to digress, right? Uh, how crazy to see, you know, you, you, you got, you got someone who's spinning in your direction and the referee doesn't see it for your, the players. I know you're professional. You get paid to do what you're supposed to do, but it's still human beings and it's still the mental state. How do you, I guess, you know, I'm talking to you. So how do you personally like get really back into that game or get in that mental state. Yes, you're winning, but you know, when the referee comes to you and says, I believe you, but I didn't see it. There's no VAR. So yeah, you're a figure of speech. You're shit out of luck. Well, how yeah. do you even, how do you com- combat that? Yeah, that's a, a, another frustrating thing. And that's why I think after the game, not only me, but other guys in the team were like going to him and they're like, like, it's like, you, you're just looking at him you're like, what, what am I supposed to do as, as a player? You're supposed to be protecting and sorting this game out. And then I have someone doing that. And then you're telling me to calm down after someone's done that. And if I don't calm down, I'll probably get a card. And this guy's walking away with nothing. Oh, yeah. So that's the part that's annoying. And yes, we just won and we should enjoy the win. It was a big performance, good game. But I think a lot of people, it's just how we are now as like as that national team we're, we're done being nice and people saying all oh, like the canadian way being nice we're, we're done with that you know we have to like get what we deserve yes. and get what we want to get so that's the way we are and even though we won 4-1 it's like 
from that incident, even stuff on the field, we know there's stuff that we can do better. And I think that's good because that's where this national team's at nowadays. It's not about, you know, trying to do whatever you can. And that's good enough. Like now a 4-1 win at BMO is, or at home, I should say, is the standard. But we're now saying we shouldn't even concede. It should be 4 nothing. you know, stuff like that. That's the mentality now of the group. So it's like, it's good. So it just correlates with that where it's like we want everything – we want to be treated fairly and like anyone else would be. And I think that's why you see the fight. And I mean, on this team, it's not only me. There's a lot of guys that share the exact same passion as I do. And I mean, you see them in the game. So it's they're they're on display. Your coach, John Herdman, said it best. We're not scared anymore. It's a different Canada. And I was watching the games right with my parents. And they're like, you know, we, we remember the Dwayne De Rosario and, and the Terry Dunfield and and Atiba Hutchinson was there, obviously, back in back in the day, too. And, you know, just unfortunately, you almost couldn't even watch the, the country and watch the team because it just wasn't up to that level. And they're like, Canada's got a chance, Nico. Yes, the, yeah, the boys got a chance now because it's the different style and skill and culture and mentality that has brought into it. I spoke to, you know, your teammate in Lucas Cavallini uh, a few months ago, and he said, you know, my mindset was there and I wanted to join the team, but it wasn't fully there because the commitment wasn't there. Well, let me tell you something. You know what he told me? The commitment is there now. And everyone's locked in and everyone's ready to fly and ready to go. Never mind hosting in 2026, right? Co-hosting, I should say, with USA and Mexico. Let's get in Qatar. Let's get in 2022 so we can be in back-to-back World Cups. And that mentality is there now. Richie, I know you're. You, this might be the easy question, you guys know you believe. You guys know you can do it and come top three or even come that fourth place. I know top three is the goal, I'm sure. Um, but that fourth place for that inter that continental interplay, intercontinental playoff or whatever it is, right? With a different continent to qualify. How much belief is truly in this group, Richie, to, to qualify for this World Cup and say, boys, we truly, honest to God, can make it happen? Yeah, it's funny that you say that. And um to be honest with you, it's not top three or to be that fourth place spot. We're talking about being the, the best in CONCACAF. That's what we want. We're not, it's not about being third or fourth or whatever. Um, yes, third qualifies you and fourth gets you that game. But we're talking about being number one. We played Mexico now twice. We played U.S. a few times. So we know how to play against the guys and what it takes. And then also with respect to all the other, the, all the other uh, teams in CONCACAF because they're not easy as well. But that's where our mindset is. It's to, to be number one. This is the definition of a new Canada, especially with the players we have being number one should not be uh whoa, like did that really just happen? It's yeah. we can, we can do it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the optimism is, is around and uh, Kristen Jack, um, one soccer now reporter put a, put a stat out there and, I think you guys, this Canada team is one of six or one of five teams that have gone undefeated or unbeaten, let's say, to start the hexagonal stage um, in the last, the last stage of the FIFA World Cup qualifying. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a couple of USA teams, a couple of Mexican teams, and they've qualified. But, you know, people would then be skeptical of saying, well, you go in Jamaica and you draw 0-0. Yes, but you guys don't understand the atmosphere and, and, and the things that ha- are happening within jamaica right and you come home panama beats usa meanwhile you guys smash you know give it to panama let's just say how hard is it to block out these critics um which i think it really would be easy to be honest but to block these critics and just focus on the task at hand and do what you need to do yeah there's so many people that get on twitter or whatever it might be that thing twitter's fake twitter's fake (laughs) i think that thing they're soccer gurus i know the X, Y's and Z's of everything. These people, you just have to laugh at them. It's they, a lot of the time, these guys have never been soccer players. They've never been soccer players at this level to this magnitude. And they think all of a sudden their, their opinion is valid and they can, and you know, to each their own and you can say what you need to say, but to make sure you're speaking with the facts is not something a lot of these people do. So, yeah, I mean, again, we wanted to come out of Jamaica with three points and I think we should have, and we had some opportunities to do so. But in the end of it, you look at it as well, and it's like you had to take some positives w- with it where we didn't lose the game, we kept a clean sheet, and we got a, a, a point away that we might look back 
in, in the new year and be like, wow, like that, that was a crucial point that we got at Jamaica. Like we needed that point, you know? So it's, yeah, like I'm, I'm telling the mentality group is going to all of these games and win games. Like even the draw away at Mexico at Azteca as in front of their fans, guys are like, nah, we should have came out of there with three points. Like this is not something you would have heard a, a, a few years ago or whatever it might be. So it's just like, that's the mentality. So yeah, it's a, in terms of the critics, it's, they speak when it's, they speak well about you and everything's going good. As soon as something turns a bit, it's the world's ending. So these people aren't very important to me at all. I don't listen to them. It's listen to the coach, my teammates, close inner circle. And if everything's good there, then that's good. And anything else these clowns want to say online or wherever else they can, they can say and have all their opinions and whatever it might, else it might be. But uh, I can tell you for sure, I don't listen to them. I, I don't think anyone on the team does either because those were the same people saying that we wouldn't even be at this point that we're at right now. And now that we're in it and doing well, all of a sudden they've come full circle and they knew we could be here, you know? So it's those, those people, I don't, I don't have any time for them. Yeah. Thank, thank God. I'm not one of them. Thank God. Thank God. No. <laughs> hey, a lot of media guys, man, they could, they, they could swing either way too. Right. So that's, no. that's all, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so, you know, you have, you have your, you know, I guess what I want to say, it's a what six or seven games left of, of the TFC mm -hmm. season, or yeah. maybe it's less now. I, I should know this exactly. I think five, I think five. Five left, right. Of the TFC campaign. Then you have World Cup qualifiers. I think two more in November. I think the month off in December, actually. So you have, you have, you still have work to do. Um, and obviously after the TFC season, I guess the main focus really is Canada in November, January, February. Yes. Training camp will start, I believe in January, February or February, right. Um, for, I guess the start of March uh, next MLS campaign. But in that meantime, you have one more job and that job is possibly, you know, to talk to Kyle Laren and Alfonso Davies. And, and and I don't know who else to come on Mamma Mia, this is fire top, no? <laughs> see how see see how I led see how I led that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give that a go, man. You're gonna have to sort out the the time pinch and all that. See if you can get it going. Hey, hey, I waited a while for you, Rich, and I have zero zero complaints about it. Uh, I I messaged Kwame. I don't know. I, I think I talked to him in the summertime. Him and Chris Nanko of Forge FC, uh, which they're actually going to Costa Rica this week to play uh, their, their uh, CONCACAF, I think, league qua matches as well. So, and, and I'm like, don't worry, man. Like, he's like, man, like, it's been so long, you know, I, Richie's so busy. I'm like, hey, patience. You let me know when he, he's free and we'll get it going. And honestly, we got it going. And I have super amount of respect for you guys um, on the matter of, yes, yeah, we're the same age, but, you know, I'm trying to break into the broadcasting industry and, as a semi-pro hockey play-by-play -play guy now, you know, just trying to move up and up and up. But I've done League One Ontario broadcast. I've played in the league, so I can do the football side as well. I just want to say thank you for coming on again. You're humble about it. I don't know if it's because, you know, you're just from here and maybe you understand the grind. And But I really appreciate you taking the time out and actually coming on to a sports podcast and myself that everything is just growing and trying to get to those pro ranks one day. Yes, yes. No worries at all, man. It was amazing chatting it up with you. It's good. We need more people uh, supporting our uh, uh, country like this and to get us to where we need to be. So thank you, man. And it's, it's been amazing to, to chat up with you. All right. And we're going we're gonna to put this in. I'm going to send uh, Richie once this out, this exact timing of the episode. And then you can send it to Osorio and Davies and David and Laren and God and on and on and on. I'm doing it. Hey, gotta shoot the shot, the baby. Text. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'll send the mass, mass text. To them. Mass text. Hey, guys, sick podcast. It's called Mamma Mia. Just go, just go, just go. No. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate it uh, very, very much, Rich. Everybody, this is episode number 46. I can't believe it. 46 episodes already. Footy edition number eight of Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk. I got merchandise out as well. Hats, t-shirts, hoodies, long sleeves. Visit www.mamamiathisisfiretalk.com. This was episode 46. As mentioned, we could have a former TFC captain on the latest episode, on the next episode, as well as Instagram Lives getting going again. Please, everybody, support the Canadian men's national team and TFC as they are at the tail end of their season and support Richie Larea, TFC, 
number 22 defender and Canadian men's national team defender. Best of luck, Rich, uh, with this World Cup qualifying. I know you will do it. I know the boys will do it. Thanks again for coming on. No worries, brother. Thank you very much. Everyone, stay safe out there. It's still a pandemic, I guess. And mamma mia! <laughs> Lopez. Lopez turns it over. And now Cavallini with it. Cavallini finds Baker. Albanese comes out. Baker gets to it first. Around the keeper and in the back of the net. Blows the whistle. The captain, Dylan Carrero, for Woodbridge. A penalty kick. Steps up. And takes it neatly so with a great, brilliant penalty kick strike into the corner. The ref blows the whistle. Whiteman steps forward, looking, and right down the middle with the strike there and the penalty kick in the 19th minute. Anything coming now, a chance for Jason Mills. He comes in, the shot on goal, off the woodwork again, the rebound comes out, the Mills again, shot scores! Oh my word, number 11 with the finish, and that's Brandon Mills. Oldfield looking to play long instead of building up. It's going to favor them off the second ball. A chance for the Blue Devils. Can they get anything on goal? Goes back outside looking for the offside call. It's not. Now cross back in. Back door. It's a goal. And the Blue Devils are on the door first. Push back with good defensive play from North Mississauga. And they steal it. And now look at the counter. Can the Panthers go? It's 4v4. Good pace. Botello plays on the far side. They stay on side. North Miss an opportunity. They come on the break with a shot. In the back of the net it goes. And North Miss have one back. Continues with a North Mississauga free kick in midfield. An opportunity here. Shot comes in in the back of the net. It goes. Oh, my word. What a strike. Now back kicked up in the air. One with the header. Placed down. McNamara has the opportunity. And in the back of the net. It goes. Corner kicking off for Oakville. It's a dangerous one. And in the back of the net again. And it's McNamara. That was Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk Footy Edition with Nicholas Fiore. Thank you for watching and listening and stay tuned for the next episode.